0: the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't got to tell me, dog. I know I'm the sea. Behind the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home alive. Behind the baller. Yo yo what up y'all It is your boy Ben Beasy You are tuned in to another brand new episode Of the world famous behind the baller podcast This is the most unorthodox top ranked business show in the world This is a Dust Brothers production Shout out to Miles Davis Shout out to my man Jordan Winter In fact this is going to be a short episode Because Miles Davis A.K.A. one of the producers Is in Cabo San Lucas And I ain't mad Every so often, these guys work really hard. They need to get their breaks. They need their time to shine and chill and recharge the batteries and all that. And Miles is in the studio 2917. That motherfucker's always working, so I'm glad he's getting a break. Guys, my name is Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Golf has made me humble, but I'm not Ben Humble. Just letting you guys know that for the fact, all right? Anyways, this is episode 316, my bad. I forgot the AKAs. Yeah, 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 y'all. This is Ben Baller. (laughs) This is Ben Baller, AKA the Wash Lord, AKA the Korean Earl Woods, AKA the Korean Liam Neeson, AKA the Forrest Gump of hip hop, AKA I am not guilty. I ain't do it. He ain't do it. I don't know who did it. How about that, y'all? All right, man. Yes, it is Monday, the worst day of the week. That don't mean that we still can't go get it. There's a lot of money out there, guys. All you gotta do is put your name on it. So let's get this motherfucking show started. Yeah, yeah, um, shout out to Illegal Cartel for the intro. You already know, man. Um, We've been rocking with that for shit, three years I think now, right? Um, is it time to change the theme song? I don't know. I mean Rappaport, he he changed his theme song. Some other people have changes the theme songs. I like it. I want to know what you guys think, right? And then obviously on Thursdays we got Lakey Lake. Um, if this new thing that I think is going to happen, and I know it, it it's um we're gonna try to make it motherfucking happen, we will probably get down to one episode a week. I'm warning you guys now that what I would be doing in order for this to go to one time a week would be groundbreaking and it'd be life-changing. It would literally be life-changing. I can't wait to talk about it. But anyways, man, I am back in Los Angeles. Uh, unfortunately, London is sick again. Um, Same shit, same, you know, when his fucking saturation level drops and all the other goofy shit um, that is fucking just fucked up. I, I can't really call it on allergies or whatnot, you know, immune system, I don't know. It's fucking crazy because we have gone so long throughout the really bad parts of COVID and everything, and the week that I fucking leave the country, my in-laws are out of town. I don't know. It's kind of sketch. I have to kind of put some things on hold today, but I have some things I can't put on hold, and we're about to roll out this Tops Ben Baller Chrome, third edition. Uh, I'm shooting a podcast with Iman uh, Schumpert. Is that how you pronounce his name? I've always said heard his name and said it, but i just never been a Cavaliers fan, so you know, um, but I'm doing his podcast. And, um, yeah, man. So let's check it out. Let's talk about San Francisco because I was there for four days and four nights. And, um, it felt good to be home. There's always these vibes during the daytime. I don't get the real vibes, you know what I'm saying? But at the nighttime, during nighttime, especially if I'm on the Bay Bridge, if I'm on the 280 or the 380, if I'm like passing through Daly City, I get these weird vibes about, you know, when I was going to school. If I go through Berkeley, it's different vibes go through Albany, different vibes. Even if I'm in like deep East Bay, like Dublin or Pleasanton, more recent vibes. I'm talking about the real 1990, 91, 92, 93, 94 vibes. That's like certain areas that hit different with me. And the city has changed so fucking much, man. It's crazy. But, um, you know, it, it was a great time. Obviously, I talked about the super follower meetup. That was amazing. It was really great just to share some time with people who, you know, who uh, really rock with me. And they fuck with me 100. And, and it's just like, you know, decent people. And it's just great. And um, being back home was great just to be back with the fam, be back with the kids and everything. But now I am like getting real bad anxiety. And I already had anxiety before London got sick. But you know, I'm getting ready for Tokyo. It's been three years since I've been there. I always have a fucking blast when I'm out there. I have a great time. And they just announced no more visa is needed as of October 11th. Today is the uh, the 9th, right? Oh no, my bad. It is the 10th. So as of tomorrow, you don't need no motherfucking visa. But the thing is, it's gonna be hard to get a room. It's gonna be hard to get a fucking flight. Um, it's gonna be expensive as shit. That's for goddamn sure. But I'm super hyped I can't wait to connect. My agent's going out there. Colin Morikow's going to be out there for some, I don't know if it's a PGA event, there's some golf event out there. Um, Definitely not going to be out there chilling, doing that, but I am playing golf out there. We'll talk about that a little later. My sister is going to be in Korea. She's going to be in Busan. She's going to be in Seoul. She's out there for the Oscars. They're doing something in Busan, and my sister's going to be out there with George Clooney, who uh, she's been dressing for, um, she's been styling George for shit, almost two decades now, right? And one of the things about the relationship with me and my sister that's so awesome, I've talked about it briefly here, is that I don't ever bother none of her fucking clients. Everyone else is so different, and I just think that people think, obviously, that I would go up to somebody and be like, hey, man, you know, I work with this. I never, not fucking ever. It is the furthest thing, and I would never. If Miles and Jordan produced, fuck, I'm trying to think of somebody, Steph Curry, I don't know stuff like that. Let's say they produce Steph Curry's podcast. One, I'd never ask them to meet him. I don't care. Even if I was a huge Warriors fan. So let's just change that. Fuck that. Let's say Miles and Jordan, Dust Brothers, produced Anthony Davis's podcast, AD. I'm a big Laker fan. I would never, ever ask them to introduce me. Just never been my thing. (laughs) It's Fucking cap, whatever. Nobody could ever say I would. I would just never do that. If we're sitting at a table next to each other and there's hours, if he says something to me, boom, he's initiated the contact, I will say something. Now, my sister is Keanu Reeves' manager, an agent. My sister's been fucking dressing him for over 20 years. They're cool. Obviously, my boy Josh Richmond's one of his best friends. And even when I see Keanu on the street, if I, he don't recognize me, I don't say shit to him until I got to refresh his memory, boom, and it's like, hey, blah, blah, whatever. Never did that with Tom Cruise. Until one time I seen him somewhere. We we're in a fucking tiny ass, literally a fucking 30 square foot bathroom. And it was awkward. And I was, I was like, hey, I'm Jean Yang's brother, Ben. Turned around and gave me a kiss. And he's like, what's up, man? How you doing? Is at Sunset Tower Hotel. And he's like, please sit down. And then when I sat down, Katie saw me. And Katie's like, oh shit. This is when she was, he was married to Katie Holmes. And my sister and Katie are great friends. They had a company called Holmes and Yang. Anyways, going on. I wanna talk about this etiquette with people. I I said on the last episode, you know, use your barter system, right? Use your resources, use your networks. That doesn't mean press one of your homies who has an A-list client and you think, okay, well, boom. You know, I heard this shit the other day and it just drives me crazy. It's truth, but at the same time, it's like, it's tired and obvious. Don't cross the street when there's fucking cars going. Don't walk when it says don't walk. It's pretty fucking obvious, right? And there's this dude, I'm not gonna say his name. I don't know if he's a barber or if he's whatever and people have this motivational thing. And again, if it helps other people, man, good for them. That, that shit don't work on me because I'm just a different person, right? And I think I've lived so much life that when someone tries to tell me, you know, basic math, I'm like, dog, come on, can you stop? When I talk about like basic gemology one? please stop. We're talking about hip hop one on one. Stop but they say, support your friends' businesses like you support these celebrities. Let me stop people right there. I get fans and stuff, right? And there's other people. And I get, I have friends who are famous and they're still fans of other people. Like I don't really fan out like that. We gotta have to break bread. There has to be a lot of shit going on in our lives. I have to be able to talk to you a certain way, meaning I'll be like, shut your fucking stupid ass up. If I can't say that to you, bro, I'm not trying to be your friend. I don't wanna be your homie. I'm not trying to support none of that shit, no. We should be, I should be able to be myself around you for the most part. Oh, you ain't a friend, you an acquaintance. So going on, say support your friends the way you support the celebrities. That shit sometimes, man, dog, is fucking crazy. I understand being supportive. If someone came to me and say they didn't wanna support me because they didn't believe in the brand, that's one thing if they had some constructive criticism or any criticism that was valid, in my mind, I knew that maybe, hey, here, sometimes people ain't been there. They have a, You have a lot of people, including me, I might call out something, oh man, Pete Carroll fucked up here. and Fuck man, I wish that fucking, you know, Doc Rivers would call this play, blah, blah, whatever. Yo, I'm not a coach. You can say all kinds of shit. You don't know what's going on in the situation, whatever. Only you know what's best for you And if you're jumping into a brand new business, maybe you should listen to somebody who's been in that business and been successful. Maybe you should study the greats before you. I've said that before. But back to using your networks, right? There's certain people I can ask certain things for. There's certain people I can't ask things for. If I ask Drake for a favor, probably say yes. Guess what? The favor that's coming back meaning the one he's gonna ask back is gonna be not worth the favor I'm asking him for. And that's even if I need him to do a video, if I need him to fucking sing a song for me or whatever, and he's done countless shout outs for me, right? I'm just, nah, man. But that's my dog. So what I'm trying to say is, if you have a friend, a relative that works with somebody famous, be very sensitive of that person's, you know, work relationship with somebody. Because... I worked with Adam Sandler for a couple months on Uncut Gems and he shadowed me for the movie. My sister had been dressing him for many years. She's dressing him for a fucking stand-up comedy show at the Lray and Paul Thomas Anderson was directing it and Bieber walks in the room. She tells Bieber he goes, "Yo, yeah, yeah, I just shadowed you for one of the most, you know, viewed covers ever or the most sold covers of Vanity Fair blah blah whatever." He's like, nah, no, nah, no, nah. I know you from somewhere else." And he goes, she's like, "Uh, I don't know. I think I dressed you when you were young. And and Bieber's like, nah, I know you from somewhere else. Because he saw my sister's face because you look familiar. And he goes, she goes, maybe you know my brother because I know he knows you. My brother's Ben Baller. And as Adam's in the chair, he grabs my sister's arm and said, what did you just say? And then Bieber's like, no fucking way. You're Ben Baller's sister. Like I thought he was raised by wolves. You look like a normal person, right? And then Adam's like, I can't believe that you're Ben, brother. Yo, I've been following him and shadowing him and working with him for my new movie part that we just finished. And my sister calls me and Adam's in the background on speakerphone. This is before the movie's even fucking put out. And he goes, yo, I look at you totally different. And I'm like, why is that? Because you maybe could have got special treatment, even though Josh Safdie had said a lot of good things about you, but you could have said my sister's Jean Yang, your stylist, and you didn't. And I'm telling you, let your work speak for you. Let your actions, let your work, let everything else talk for you instead of dropping a name. So people say, oh, you drop a name, da, da. No, motherfucker, I'm talking about my friend. It's like me saying, oh yeah, I know this guy, fucking Frank Jackson. Who the fuck is Frank Jackson? Exactly. Who the fuck is fucking Justin Bieber? My friend. Some of y'all don't get that, though. Be a whole different story. Then they go, people go, oh my God, he follows you. No shit, dummy. I don't fucking follow anybody who going not follow me back. You know what I'm saying? It's not that serious for me. So anyways, I build those type of relationships where it's locked in and we Gucci. But I really stand on, don't fuck with your mother's, you know, there's certain things and people know when they can bring something in. You know, it took many years for me to learn that. Like, oh shit, you work with Michael Jordan? Oh my God, I want to talk to him, blah, blah, whatever. You just understand it's just not, no, you really don't, okay? And another thing that relates to that is, or it doesn't relate to it, but it's just a mentality that I have to this day, no matter how much money, no matter how much, you know, and, and to tell you the truth, I don't even think I have any money. That's what's crazy, right? Because you look at other people who are like, yo, man, I'm paying 2,000 a month in rent here and blah, blah, whatever. I'm like, damn, 2,000, that's fucking crazy. Okay, cool, you know, I'm not comparing anybody else. I'm seeing somebody else is doing fine. They can walk the streets. They could eat. They take a shower. They're clean. You know what I'm saying? They, they smoke. They eat at decent places. And they're like, yo, this is what you know how they live. It don't change shit. But my mentality remains to feel like the underdog. I really stand on being the underdog. It does not matter. Yes, there's people out there more successful and everything else, whatever. And I'm sure there's people out there who are happier. There's people out there just doing whatever and doing their best life. Look, I'm good. All my childhood punishments, stay in house. Don't talk to these people, blah, blah, whatever. Those are like adulthood goals now. Motherfucker, don't you ain't got to tell me to stay in. I'm staying in. My stay-at-home game is strong. I mean, I travel a lot, but I'm saying I'll stay inside the fucking hotel. Shit. My wife hates that because she has to stay in on purpose, so my wife is always like tied down. If she has a chance to go out, fuck, my wife is gone. Me? Shit. And you know, I don't think she gets it. She kind of gets it better now, but I remember last time I was in Tokyo, Pharrell was there. And all he wanted to do was chill in the room because he didn't want to get bothered on the streets. And Japan, it's pretty chill. They don't really fuck with you too much in Japan. You know? I like to get a nice-ass room, look at the view and just vibe out, and I'll soak in the city from the views. I know that sounds crazy. I mean, I'll go out and, you know, touch the streets, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, I stand on being the underdog. I'll walk in the room not give a fuck if people know me, if they don't know me. We're gonna get into that in a little bit when I talk about this golf shit that happened at TPC Harding. But, Everything I do, I don't mind being an underdog. When I walk in a room and you got these young dudes, whether it be fucking um, NYC Luxury, I forgot what the fuck their name is, or, or like uh, Eric the jeweler, one of these people, whatever, boom, and I just be like, yo, man, you are you put jeweler in your username right there. You already lost. Like You've like, already just dumbed yourself down and made yourself one-dimensional right there. Anytime I walk into a room with people whether it be the people that are in the same trade as me or whatever, I still walk in with underdog mentality. And what that means is, I walk in saying, I'm gonna take your spot, and guess what? In some of those positions, if we're in a room with jewelers, I don't care if they have fucking 75 billion in diamonds. They can't say shit to me. You gotta walk in there like the underdog and no one can say nothing. I walk in there with a chip on my shoulder, you ain't gotta be rude. People think that the chip on the shoulder is like so. No, you go beat these motherfuckers. Like you ain't got no sense in your head. You go beat them like Anthony Kim beat fucking you know um, Sergio Garcia in that motherfucking Ryder Cup match play. You go to the next hole when you already won. She's like, "What? The f- no, I'm gonna go whoop this ass. I'm gonna go whoop some ass, some more ass." You already won. Oh, I did? Oh shit. Okay, fuck it. That's what the underdog does. You become the spoiler. You become the clouds. You know what the clouds the clouds piss on your parade. They rain on all that shit. They're like, oh, you want to have a nice little day outside? Oh, let me just take a piss on you. Just letting you know. If you consider yourself the underdog, instead of sitting up there and be like, no, fuck that. You know, I'm going first or I'm going last or whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck you prefer. People always have different preferences. I don't give a fuck what you want to do. I just want to win, homie. That's it. Whether that be happiness, whether that be my kids' happiness whether that be my family's happiness, I'm just saying I stand on being an underdog. It helps me a lot. I never underestimate anybody, right? I have certain expectations in myself. I have low expectations in others. And that's really it. I just wanted to really break that down. But yeah, man, fucking, I hear London coughing right now. This shit has fucking got me fucked up, man. This sucks. But anyways, yeah, man, um, you know, San Francisco was a trip, got to handle my Ben Ball, did the Strain business, you know, we got Hole in One, and we got On the Green dropping, you go to Berner's Merced, we we'll to be dropping to Hayward soon, I'm gonna start actually doing some appearances again at, at these uh, cookies in, in the Bay Area again and start trickling down back to LA, by the way, guys, huge fucking announcement, our weed is no longer 75 to $85 an eighth. It is going to be $45. That's already tax included out the door. Ain't nothing wrong. We can still make our profits and still be good. I just felt like, look, let's make this shit more accessible to people. And uh, you know, we own a motherfucker. We own our fucking own dispens. We own our own um, cultivation. Why not? Fuck it. Let's do it. Got to hang out with my boy, Danny P. He is a fucking nutcase. If you follow Danny P818 on on, on Instagram, he's fucking nuts. He's got like two, three million dollars in cars and all done up cars. He has 1,600 horsepower R8. That's faster than most people's 2,500 horsepower cars. He's got all kinds of crazy ass cars, but we hung out. I went to Love and Propaganda, which is a spot that I really like. It wasn't too crowded. It it was just like the right vibe But I like. It's like an alley. It just felt cool in there. I've always liked that place. I've only been there three times but it's in Union Square. You go through an alley, you go downstairs. The music was cool. People were cool, I just kind of chilled out. A lot of people wanted to say, you know, talk and this and that, but I was just kind of kicking it. I just really chilled for like a little short while, just to say what's up to my boy, Josh. Shout out to my boy, Andrew Ho, he's a photographer there. And it's crazy because this guy is such an amazing, talented photographer. And he's still working the club, still working car shows. I'm sure he's a good photographer, knows everything about photography. He even understands landscaping, everything. Uh, glamour shoots, you name it. This guy shot my wedding. It's a fucking great photographer. I would never have some bootleg dude there. But what I noticed when I went to Prop 11 Propaganda is the bottle prices were dirt fucking cheap. A bottle of vodka was like $325. Class Azul was like $700. Dom Perignon was like four hundred five. dollars It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it was a third of the price of what LA bottles cost. I was just shocked. I couldn't believe that. And you know, they're like, yo, you want a bottle? No, I'm good. I'm straight. I don't need one. But what I did do in San Francisco was, I definitely had to hit the rotunda. Hit the rotunda two times, Wednesday and Saturday. Had the rotunda burger. I had to get two chicken consommes. That shit was too motherfucking good. Had an iced tea, orange juice, Coke, still water on the table, that motherfucking pop over with that strawberry butter. Oh, my God. Burger was lit. Saturday had the Dungeness crab melt. Shit was crazy. Gave me a little gas, but it was felt fucking good. It's just, everything's so good. Of course, that snobby, entitled, rich, fucking old money in San Francisco, like, what the fuck is this come back to? And I made sure that I wore my extra baggy hoodie, baggy-ass pants, just, you know what I'm saying, I walked around the city, you know, I didn't really have much time, because, you know what I'm saying, golf took up a whole day, meetings took up the other ones, and um, I just vibed out, man, had some Indian food, that was bomb as hell, had some butter chicken, some naan, had some mango chutney, was just, was just chilling, man, but uh, yeah, man, let's get to a break, gotta uh, get these bills paid, play these ads real quick, Now I'm gonna come back and tell you about this 36 holes. The Wash Lord played 36 holes at one somewhat legendary course and another legendary PGA course. And then talk about a few other things and shit that I watched. I'll be right back, y'all. What's up, guys? Can we talk about notifications for a second? The only ones worthwhile are those that mean you just brought in cash money. That's why I recommend Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business to make sales easily. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether your thing is vintage teas or recipes for ghee Start selling with Shopify and join the platform, simplifying commerce for millions of your favorite businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll create an online store in your vibe, discover new customers and grow the following that keeps them coming back. Shopify has all sales channels sorted so your business keeps growing. From an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to the 24-7 support and free libraries full of educational content, Shopify's got you every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify and you will too. When you're ready to launch your thing into the spotlight, do it with Shopify the commerce platform backing millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Go on. Try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. This possibility is powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash baller, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash baller to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash baller, all lowercase. What's up, y'all? We're back. I want to talk about the super followers thing again. If you have a Twitter account and um, want to engage more with me on Twitter, it's probably the most shit talking that I do is on Twitter. Twitter's my favorite social media app. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You'll see wild ass shit. They've toned it down a little bit, but you'll still be able to see uh, nudity, weed, fucking crazy shit talking. All the jokes start there. I've always talked about that, but super followers get exclusive content that the regular followers do not get to see at all whatsoever. Um, another thing that I'm doing is I'm doing a contest. I'm dropping these very expensive high-end Master Dynamic HD, triple HD, Gaming headphones. They're black and gold. They're so fucking good. Master Dynamic is above Sennheiser, above Bose, up way above Beats, way above Apple Pros, whatever it is. This is like, you know, again, this is a very, very high end audiophile thing. They made a gaming headset, and I'm going to give one away to super followers. And I give a lot of shit away to super followers. I give clothes, other shit, whatever, just random toys, gift boxes that I get that I don't want. I give a lot of shit away to super followers. It's $3 a month, just to give you an idea. I had 12 people at the Superfollower meet. I gave each of them $75 in Dave & Buster's cards. That right there is already worth more than two years of fucking memberships. So there's just always much more shit on there That if you want to do that. Speaking of um, fresh shit that I'm dropping, my Bosch sunglasses, which are fucking swaggy as fuck, come out on the 20th. Uh, They are very cheap. $195, I think $200 They're super cheap. Quality is A1. They gave me, uh, I got the inspiration from their original Millionaires. They got a little inspiration for some other glasses. They're just super fly. Cannot wait. So on Thursday, I was looking for tee times all over the place. I was able to manage to get two tee times. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was like kind of confusing with certain things are. I'm still new to golf. And I don't always want to use my agent. I don't always want to use TaylorMade to help me out. So I was like, fuck it. Let me just wing it. Let me see what's good. So I pulled up on this place called Lincoln Park Golf Club. It's, uh, you know, it's got a beautiful view of the, of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's got, it's really hilly. Um, it's cart path only. The course is supposed to be really hard. It's a par 68. It's only 5,200 yards. So it's not a very long course, right? There is a par five though. There is a 500 yard par five, which I was surprised about. But it's, it's wild. You know, um, it was so fucking foggy. When I got there, Pro shop is tiny. It's like a fucking, it's like literally an old mall and pop spot. There's no modernized shit here. Basic fucking golf cart. And I'm just like, yo, uh, can I get some range balls? Like we don't have a range here. Now, mind you, I have never in the 22 or 23 rounds of golf that I've played to this date since May 2nd, I have never, ever not warmed up for 20, 30 minutes, which is hitting some balls. And I never practiced putting because putting is something I'm really good at. It's the only thing I can brag about. And I'm like, oh shit. All right, fuck it. So the guy comes out, he's the manager of the place. He's like, yo, i pair you up with the good guy. Boom. And then, um, you know, he hits a couple balls off and tell you the truth. This dude is, plays golf there quite a bit. They weren't the most impressive, you know, drives, but he just threw some balls off. He goes, yo, try to aim left. Boom, whatever. So I'm like, you know what, man, my driver ain't working good. So, you know what I'm doing? And people are kind of slow there. A lot of people walk the path, old men, and it's you know, it's a nice course. It's a beautiful course. It's just you can't see shit. And, and, but it was a really pretty course. And again, really hilly. Very, very foggy. I couldn't see 50 feet in front of me. Take out my three wood and I go to fucking work. The golf gods were praying for me. The dude I was playing with, I had no idea this motherfucker was scratch golfer on any fucking course in America. And I play my first 18. The craziest take I'll tell you now is... I only used my three wood for the entire fucking course. To tell you the truth, I only used five or six clubs for this entire course. And um, some of these par fours were like 320 yards. They were short. You know, if, if I had a crazy driver, my driver was, you know, and I was on some good, good shit, you know, I'd fucking drive for the green, fuck it. But the crazy part was there was like five par threes, I don't know, I think. And the par threes were anywhere from 171 to 235 yards and you know what's crazy except for the 235 yards every single par three I got GIR on the first shot which is the only GIR you can get I'm sorry GIR and par three mean you get it in the first shot GIR on par four means the second shot and then uh GIR on par five would be a third shot so first par three I hit I'm elevated maybe 80 to 200 feet above the whole 171 yards boom take out my uh, my six iron. I didn't know this either. I didn't know when it's cold that the ball goes less distance. I thought that it would go further because it's cold, whatever, it's hard, go fast. It doesn't go faster. It goes slower. It doesn't go as far. That's why when you see professionals at PGA Tours when they're playing somewhere cold, a caddy always keeps a ball in his pocket to keep it warm. And the ball needs to expand in the hotter the weather, the, the further it goes. I, didn't, I thought it was opposite. So, you know, I went up to a club. This was just touch and feel shit that no one ever taught me. And it's great to, to get this experience. And I take out my six iron. It's one seventy one. I smashed that bitch down the hill. It is fucking 10 feet from the pin. It's beautiful. And I was like, boom, made my birdie putt. And the crazy part is, uh, 90% of my par threes. I made a birdie. What's nuts is lately. Usually par threes is where I had the most trouble, which is fucking nuts. Par fours. Almost every par four. I was fucking GR. In fact, I made the fairway 94% of the time. And the crazy part was the areas I didn't make the fairway, it was fine. It wasn't really a big deal. It was cool. I, the golf gods were with me. I was. It didn't seem easy. I mean, it didn't seem hard at all. It was just weird. The chips were going and everything was good. Putting was good. Just weird. Weird day. I shot six over. I shot a 74. I don't consider that breaking at 80 because even though my handicap for the course was 10, I shot six over which is better than my handicap. I just feel like because it was such a short course, even the women's tees at you know Torrey Pines or Angeles whatever is longer than that. So it was just it was just a confidence builder. It felt good. I was charged up. I call an Uber, go back to my spot. I grab some McDonald's, eat a Big Mac, number one meal. Chill out, do some more stretching. And I'm like, look, when I first played my first 18 holes, I walked the course. I was cramping by the 13th or 14th hole. I didn't drink enough water. Um, The second time I played, by the 15th hole, I was cramping. And it was happening here and there. I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like real bad cramps. Get them once in a while here if I'm not drinking enough water, if I'm dehydrated. So I drank as much water as I could. I was stretching out. and I'm like, fuck this. I'm headed to TPC. I know they got to have motherfucking range there. This is a PGA world-class golf course. I knew it was going to be tough. Called some people I needed some advice from. Boom. I get there at like 30 and I have a two three forty tee time. There's this really nice guy named Jeff Jeffrey, Korean dude who's running the pro shop, and he's like, "Look, I got you. Don't worry about it. I know who you are." And he's like, "Don't even trip. I'll give you this, the resident um, rate." And I was like, "Yo, appreciate it." And um, you know, he's like, "Yo, we do have a range here. They got tracer technology. You know, they have the um, TrackMan shit." And I was like, uh, "All right, cool." And he's like, "But look." I can get you at an earlier tea time right now. And I had no idea that if I'd have taken that 340 tea time, I probably wouldn't have finished, you know, uh, my 18. Cause it's like a twilight, you know what I'm saying? Tea time. And I was like, fuck it. All right, cool. And usually tea times there are definitely several hundred dollars and I didn't give a fuck. But they gifted me the cart. They took care of me, boom, paired me up with two other guys. They're ready to go. And um, it was just three of us. Now, these two dudes, nicest guys, they didn't know each other, total strangers. One dude's a Filipino guy, late 20s. Another guy's probably late 20s, white kid, played golf in high school. Both these guys are definitely very good golfers. And uh, we have to start on the back nine. So I start on hole 10. I take my driver out because it's a par five. I was like, fuck it. They hit two really good shots. I top my ball and it goes like 75 yards to the left in the shit, in the rough. Now, this is the rough that I hate. This is the rough that they have at Lakeside. This is the rough they have at Annandale. I fucking hate this tall grass rough. So I get mine, I was like, don't no worry about it. I'll play it. Don't worry about it. These guys are walking the fucking course. Love them for that. I just played 18. I'm old as shit. I'm like, you know, still figuring it out. I get out my four iron, trying to knock this bitch back on the fairway, but like trying to get at least like 170 yards or 100, wishful thinking. The ball goes 60 yards and it goes back into the rough, okay? So now my second shot, I'm in the shit again. 130 yards, I still got fucking 400 yards to go. Third shot, I hit this bitch and it goes 80 yards. Finally gets on the edge of the fairway, okay? Now I got motherfucking 320 fucking yards try to get this ball in the motherfucking play. I'm not even thinking about bogey anymore, Bottom line is I take out my hybrid, smash that bitch. Once I get on the green, I'm good. Ain't no problems, nothing. Couple holes get warmed up. We get to like a par three, uh, like 170. I take out my six iron, smash that bitch right on the green, pin high. And the guy's like, yo, man, you sure you've been playing for five months? I'm like, homie, have you seen what I did? Like early on, he goes, yeah, but that." was a fucking really good swing, and I was like, oh, thank you, I appreciate it. Really encouraging, really nice guys, didn't make any conversation, didn't know who I was, it's fantastic, we're just chit-chatting and whatever. I start warming up, and I'm playing bad. Humble as fuck, Park is really tough, you know, we're not taking any mulligans, I'm counting every shot, and uh, to be honest, I got a 47 on, on the front nine, which is the back nine, and, and you know, other people be like, that's a fucking amazing score for TPC Harding because it's a fucking really, 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 really tough course. So they paid the fucking PGA Championship, the President's Cup, all that shit. And on the turn, I'm like, look, man, guys, I'm, I'm down to just kind of, let's get some water, let's, let's get just keep keep it pushing. And I'm tired, and I'm thinking about, you know, swinging hard, whatever. On the back nine, I go into fucking focus mode. I'm like, I'm locking the fuck in. I end up shooting four over on the fucking back nine, end up fucking crushing it, and I'm having some of my best shots. These dudes are like, yo, man... This is the best shot you've had all day. And they said it like three different times throughout that round. I mean, the back nine. And they're like, yo, it was crazy. So we get to the final hole. I hit the shit out of this ball with my three wood. Maybe like 250, 260. Then from there, take out my fucking hybrid. Hybrid goes 240. Then I take out my 56 wedge. Boom, I'm on the green. And um, I'm on the fringe, actually. Now I'm putting for birdie, probably 15 foot putt. I get within like, I don't know, Four inches. So now I'm putting for par. Boom, get it in. It's fucking dark as shit. It was dark as fuck. At that point, there was no light anymore. And at the end, these guys were like, yo, man, let's get a pick. And I was like, yeah, for sure, bro. And they were the classiest, nicest fucking guys. I was absolutely fucking destroyed. I was so tired. I was also super proud of myself that I fucking saved myself from breaking 90. I thought I was gonna fucking shoot 100 there. Shot an 87 at a fucking super tough course. From the fucking tips. That means the furthest tees, right? 7,000 fucking yards. And um, came back. Chopped it up with that dude, Jeffrey, from, from TPC. Super cool guy. End up connecting. And that's what golf's about. Being encouraging and everything. And obviously, if my swing wasn't fucking a lot better and, and the where I'm at now, I have a lot more confidence. But these guys are great. I don't remember their names, but they're just solid guys. Total strangers. And I'll take that 87 to the chin all day. And what's crazy is... My index right now, my gin, has just went to a 10.8, which is fucking nuts to me. So I'm literally super close to becoming a single handicap, which is wild to me, because I need to really fucking get my shit together. And um, yeah, man, I'm playing tomorrow. So we're going to get it in. I'm trying to get one round in before I go to Tokyo, because I'm playing in Tokyo. Shout out to my boy, Babe, from Dave, who got me the tea time in Tokyo. He happens to be BTB Army as well. But uh, listen, guys, I just want to say one thing. It's always Team Tailor-Made, bitch. <laughs> Anyways, man. Um, I get back to the room, to my, to, my, to my spot, and I'm chilling. And I throw on the Redeem team. Fuck anything else. At the first 10 minutes, I was like, yo, what the fuck is all this losing shit, everything, what's going on here? Like, they're showing the... The mellow team with Boozer and this and that, and LeBron, and he's like almost a rookie. And then they're showing, oh, the wait, I, I didn't know what was going on. And then Kobe gets in. And anybody who watches this, and this is a fucking LeBron produced documentary, I had no idea. I remember them winning the fucking gold. You know what I'm saying? I remember them losing. People making jokes. I never really give a shit. But Kobe was really the fucking difference. It was nuts that they figured out that, you know, this was world basketball. They didn't give a fuck about celebrity stars. They didn't give a shit about LeBron. They felt like they owned America and whatever. Kobe came out there and changed that whole narrative. He didn't give a fuck. Kobe was really that motherfucking dude. And this movie was fucking phenomenal. Definitely gonna watch it again, probably on the way to Tokyo or some shit. It was just so fucking good. And it makes me miss him even more. And just the way his mentality was, that mama mentality was just infectious, man. It was so fucking good. If you haven't seen it, man, it's on Netflix. I, I highly suggest it. Now, the other show i might about to talk about was, is uh, Raising Canaan, of course. Episode eight from season two. They fuck up. And because this whole merger with fucking 50 and whatever in the stars app, and I'm trying to get money, whatever the fuck it may be. I didn't even know there was actually a Stars app on Apple TV, whatever the fuck it was. You know, I'm just trying to look for it on Amazon. It's not showing up. Finally, I realized you gotta buy the fucking Stars app, whatever, subscribe to it. I do it, I do a free subscription, I fucking canceled it. Man, episode eight fucking sucked. Raising Kane in episode eight was not just a filler, it was just bullshit. It's just a man, come on, dog. Make the fucking season shorter then. Stop with the filler episodes. And I get there's like, there's some backstories and shit, but I'm just like, man. Shit was just trash. God damn. Episode 9's gotta be crazy. I, think it's just the, I don't even think they go to 10. Who knows? The 50's so weird, I, I have no idea. But it was just, it was fucking bad. So I'd rather talk about something good instead of go right into the fucking Seahawks shit. The Padres beat the Mets. And to tell you the truth, I'm kind of sad because I, I, I like that, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are Mets fans. I hate the Padres. And my boy Blake Snell plays for the fucking Padres and it's like, fuck. But the Dodgers and the Padres are meeting up in the NLDS. Don't know if I'm going to make some games. I'm going to try to. We'll see what happens. But it's about to be vicious. I'll tell you right now. It's going to be a fucking vicious playoff series. This shit's going to be fucking nuts. It's going to be violent. San Diego's not even letting LA natives or anybody outside the San Diego County or Riverside County buy tickets from the San Diego Padres website. If they geolocation shows that you're out of the area, they'll cancel your tickets. They don't want LA fans there. They're scared. Fuck you, San Diego Padres. Okay? Anyways, I got the Dodgers whooping that ass. Uh, now, anyways, back to the depressing shit. Seahawks. We start out good. You know, DK dropped a couple balls, dropped some touchdowns here and there. But that doesn't even matter. Our defense is just fucked up, man. We down bad right now. Our defense is crazy. I mean, we really, we're really missing Jamal Adams right now, and just we got some key things that just fucking bullshit. I will speak on the good. Geno is the truth. Period. Point blank. Geno Smith is the fucking truth. We actually probably need to think about our future with him. This guy's really good. Not only is it is he top ranked in the like top three, top five categories, and he's he's like one of the best. Gino is good. His heart is there. I don't think he's necessarily the leader that you know that, that would go out there and vocally you know lead people, but his play and his demeanor should be loud enough for the for the Seahawks, you know what I'm saying, to follow and and, and want to win for him. Cause this dude laid in the cut for so many years. And um if we don't renew something with him now, we're gonna lose him and, he, and someone's gonna pay him some money. And yeah, we could get Bryce, we can get somebody young and whatever, but I think we can try to get somebody as dope as we can, but back up, Geno. And that's the smart play, but we need to get one more really, really good fucking offensive lineman like Charles Cross, and we need to get another couple key defensive players, and we need to get them immediately. Motherfuckers are trading right now. Fuck it. Rashad Penny's injured. I don't know if it's season-ending. It looks like it is. (sighs) I'm not set on Kenneth Walker. I'm not set on DJ Dallas. I don't know, man. I do think we need to use Disley and Noah Fant more, but it's depressing, man. It's crazy. And you know, I, I expected this, but it's just like, Gino's so fucking good. It's just, it just fucking sucks, man. And uh, I ended up taking a different flight home from San Francisco. And I sat next to this chick who had super long armpit hair and it just fucked up my whole vibe. Just like, some people be like, oh, that's why I did that, this and that. Why are you flying commercial? Shut the fuck up. It just fucked up my vibes. You know what I mean? Like it just, man, just Fuck. I don't even have armpit hair. Like, it just was fucked up my vibes. And Is that how we're going to end the show? I guess so. But anyways, guys, yo, man, look. um, I'm going to have LA in a minute on the pod. I don't know if we're going to get him on this week. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to get him an interview. I don't think I'm going to do Rick Caruso, man. There's just too much weird shit, and I don't want to back up anybody politically. There's all kinds of weird shit going on. I just feel like it's forced. I know the cheat code is to have guests on the show, but... If you can't rock me solo on that ass, then why the fuck am I having somebody on? And we're going to have some guests. I'm going to bring next to Mike to Tokyo. I'll probably have some people out there I can talk shit on and uh, get on the pod. But um, I'm excited, man. I just can't wait. I just really hope London turns a corner today. I hope London gets a lot more healthier. And uh, I don't want my wife to stress about it because usually when London goes to the hospital, it's me that's taking them. And just got a busy week, you know what I'm saying? I'm leaving in a few days. So uh, by the way, guys, just have a great week, man. Put in that motherfucking work today. You put in that hard-ass work on Monday so that Tuesday's easier, so that hump day is not so bad. And by the time you reach Thursday, you got PTB and you got money coming. You know what I'm saying? Friday, you cruise through Saturday, Sunday. We back here again. Um, We're gonna have a few episodes coming live from Tokyo. And uh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Time difference is gonna be kind of fucked up. I haven't been traveling for three years, so that jet lag is gonna be nasty, but I'm a professional. So, you know, I got this. Um, I don't know. That's it, y'all. Like I said, man, tell a friend to tell a friend about this show. Keep spreading the word. We have a nice little army here. We got a really solid following. And I appreciate every one of you guys. Remember, this is not your practice life. Live that underdog lifestyle, guys. Okay. All right, y'all. I'm out of here. Lakey Lake is already playing. That means we have run out of time. All right, y'all. Peace.